Look on the bright side. God loves in the little, in the big ways, in all ways. And now for God Loves You. Hello, I'm George Bronner. I hope the ARC family is having a wonderful evening. Unfortunately or fortunately, I can't be there with you today because I have COVID. So I'm recording this from my home and I've got a short sermon for you today. I've got three main points that I want to get into. And the first one is God loves you. Now, I've noticed over my last few sermons that in each and every one of them, I've had a mention of the good news. I've had a mention of God's love for you. And there's actually been a reason for this. And it came down to a video I watched a few months ago. And it was an interview from a famous pastor. I don't remember who it was. And they were asked the question of what is the one thing you regret or the one thing that you would change if you could do it all again? And the response was, I would talk about the good news more. I would talk about the gospel more. They were retired at the time, and that was the one tip they gave, that if you were an upcoming pastor, a young pastor, just getting into it or still had time to go, talk about the gospel more. So I'm beginning with telling you, God loves you. And this love is expressed in many different ways. I mean, for starters, it's a redeeming and sacrificial love. That's a big start. (laughs) And giving his one and only begotten son and Jesus on the cross for three days and three nights suffering for all of our sins, being the sacrifice so that we may be forgiven, being the sacrifice so that we may have redemption. And the love is more than just redeeming. It's more than just sacrificial. The love is present even in small things day to day. Things that we may not even notice being beneficial in our own way. The love shines through all days and in all ways, seemingly. And I'm going to get back to that in a little bit whenever I talk about another form. It's also there in the big things. God's not just present in little ways. God's not just present in minute ways, but also in the big decisions of our lives, such as job offers, marriage economic stuff. I mean, God is present everywhere and his love is abounding similarly. Even when we don't see God, even when we don't recognize God, he's still present and he's still loving in our life. But this love is also present through challenges because God is a father and the best parents also put their kids through some stuff. Because when they don't do so, said kids can grow up to be questionable individuals. A paraphrase of Seneca is, the more that you indulge the kid, the worse off they become. The more you indulge the kid, the worse off they become. There can be entitlement. There can be arrogance and pride. And these are things that God hates. Because, I mean, God is love and God is good. But because God is good and God is love, there are things that he must hate. He can't both love good and evil. I mean, the Bible even talks about this. Don't have two masters because you'll love one and hate the other. It would just be a paradox if God loved quite literally everything, including sin and evil. So God putting us through some stuff is to better prepare us and better make us better. 
And then there's the second part of my sermon, two out of three here, and that is to love God. For God loved us, now we can love him. There's a couple verses that I have, and the first one is 1 John 4.19, and it's simple. It simply states, we love because he first loved us. Because we see God's love in our life, because we see how God is loving us, we can feel God's love upon us if we look for it, if we try and feel for it, if we search in our minds and we search with our sight, we will see God's love in our life. It's present. You don't even have to look back far. Just look at today and the good little things that may have occurred. Now, don't get me wrong, you're probably going to find some good, bad things if you look for them. And that may be the first thing that came to your mind when I say, just look at today and how God has loved you. But don't think negatively. Look for the small, good things, such as those consecutive green lights even on your way to church. Such as getting a quick line if you were trying to get a meal, going through a fast food restaurant, and that line was just quick. The line may have been long, but it was moving as though there were almost no cars in front of you. God can work in beautiful ways, in the little ways. And it's beautiful to love God as well, because when we love God as well, there are various character benefits that come. They're just benefits. Now, let me tell you another scripture, and it talks about imitation that comes from loving how God loved us. Now, it states from Colossians 3, 12 through 14 NLT, since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. This is actually talking about loving other people. <laughs> and when I put it in my document, I didn't quite realize that. <laughs> I guess in my mind, I had immediately assumed that because I put it in this specific document and not the one for the next sermon, that it was going to be about loving God. But God works in mysterious ways, we could say. But it's important to love God because that's arguably a foundational love. Now, the Bible does say if you cannot love your brother who you have seen, you cannot love him who you have not seen. And that's true. So I'm going to take a little segue here. Initially, this was supposed to be a three-part series. And the third part was actually going to be about loving others. My last sermon, I spoke about loving yourself. Not necessarily thinking about yourself more, but still thinking highly about yourself and optimism, a self-love because of how God values you. You are worthy of loving yourself, right? But I think I should take a little segue here and say to also love others. When you look at the most important commandments that Jesus promoted, the first one was loving God with all your heart, mind, spirit, and soul. Love him with all of your being. And the next one up there was loving thy neighbor as thyself. Loving your neighbor similarly. Now, I actually spoke about loving thy neighbor as yourself fairly in-depthly in the last sermon. It's simply called Love Yourself. So feel free to look that up on brothersoftheword.com. You can listen free there if you missed that sermon. So I do say, love God fully. Love God wholly. But before you do love God, interestingly enough, although I didn't plan for this, you do need to love others. <laughs> and it shows whenever you receive that love of God and you know how he loves you, try and imitate it to others. A tender-hearted kindness, a tender-hearted mercy. 
And whenever you give that out, I'm not going to necessarily say you receive it back like karma per se, but I'm going to say it does nourish something within you. Whenever you give out that tender-hearted kindness, that mercy, that joy, you begin to feel it. You begin to feel that joy personally. And it's not necessarily about your own benefit per se, but it's received because God does not give us these commands in vain. And the benefit, many people think money, the benefit's usually not necessarily in money, but the benefit is major. The benefit is big. So love others and love God fully. Now, I had a dream as well, and it was actually a dream about this sermon. And in this dream, I was given a couple things to talk about in this sermon. I couldn't remember the first one. <laughs> but the second one, I fortunately could. It's just oddly. The second one required the first one to make sense. So if this seems kind of odd of a segue, it's because I couldn't remember the first portion of the dream. Now, the second one was actually apologetics. And what came to my mind in the dream was a man named Frank Turek. He's an apologist. He has a YouTube channel called Cross Examined, and you could listen to him there if you would like to listen further. But specifically, it was two arguments for God that he makes. The cosmological argument, which I'm going to get into that one first. Now, the cosmological argument states that anything that has a beginning... Well, actually, let me just let me read it really quickly <laughs> so that I don't mess up the definition. It's the cosmological argument and the theological argument. And it's everything that begins to exist has to have a cause, right? Now, what has a beginning? The universe. So since the beginning of the universe requires a cause, this cause also needs to be different, right? Now, the beginning of the universe is actually debated in scientific communities. Whether the Big Bang, some will argue that it's always existed. But as Frank Turek points out, many notorious physicists and astrophysicists, such as Stephen Hawking, will point out that they believe it has a beginning. Now, in order for it to have a beginning, this beginning needs to be different from it. Now, when we look at the universe, it has certain traits such as its space, time, its material, things such as that. So the creator or whatever brought the universe into existence has to be different than the universe itself. So we go into the creator and its characteristics, being spaceless, timeless, immaterial, powerful, and additionally, personal. Now, this segues into the second argument that actually was brought in the dream. And the second argument was the teleological argument. Now, as you can tell, I usually don't talk too much apologetics <laughs> by my attempted pronunciation. I had it well off camera, but not going to go there. Now, this argument talks about a designer. The universe is, well, seems pretty well structured. Would you agree? I mean, it seems very well fine tuned. And that's a much simpler way to put it. The argument for fine-tuning, the argument for designing. The world contains order, regularity, purpose, and beauty. And these things are seen in, well, designed objects. By looking at an object containing these properties, we can infer that it was designed. So we can infer the universe was designed? Yes. And similarly to the earlier argument about a creator, we can say that God is that creator, that designer, that personal designer. And yeah, that's the designer called God. But going forward, because that could just mean any God. How do we know it is the God of Christianity? You need something a little bit more. But before I even tell you why it's the God of Christianity, I want to tell you an interesting analogy from Frank Turek that always stuck with me since I heard him say it a few months back. 
And it was along the lines of a brick building. Nature will turn a building into a pile of bricks, but nature will never turn a pile of bricks into a building. Even if you have the cosmological argument that the universe came into existence by something, and it may not have been God, just something, may not have been a personal creator, just some force, right? How do you justify the structure, the design, the fine tuning? Because as we see in nature, these things don't just happen naturally. Usually, maybe you'll have some anomalies, but I wouldn't think it would happen on this greater scale, such as a pile of bricks turning into a building. Now, going on about Christianity, in order to show that Christianity is the religion with the true God, the best way to do this would be through Christ. First of all, that Christ lived, that Christ did exist. And Lawrence Mikitiuk, an associate professor at, of library science at Purdue University and author of a 2015 biblical archaeology review article on the extra biblical evidence of Jesus, notes that there was no debate about the issue in ancient times either. Jewish rabbis who did not like Jesus or his followers accused him of being a magician and leading people astray. He says, but they never said he didn't exist. So for starters, there's no debate among ancient historians, present historians even, that Jesus didn't exist. They knew he was there. I mean, the past magicians, they didn't like him. They were trying to call him a false prophet. But, I mean, we know this biblically. This is just extra biblical evidence. They knew he was there. Nobody was denying his existence. The next question is, did he really rise? Did he really resurrect? Did he really overcome death? And New Testament scholar Paula Fredrickson, who is not a Christian herself, commenting on the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus, stated, I know in their own terms what they saw was the raised Jesus. What they say and then all the historic evidence we have afterwards attest to their conviction that what they saw. I'm not saying that they really did see the raised Jesus. I wasn't there. I don't know what they saw, but I do know that as a historian, that they must have seen something. What this is talking about is that in context, the people in Jesus's era and their writings showed a level of conviction that they really believed what it was that they saw. Now, as Paula stated, we weren't there. We can't know for sure. All that I can give you is a greater benefit of the doubt because a lot of this stuff comes down to faith. Even atheists live by faith because nobody can absolutely prove that God either exists or does not exist, but they can believe in either or. And I hope that you choose to believe that there is a God because of this cosmological argument, this theological argument, the faith that you live by day to day, because we know that Jesus was living. Nobody was doubting that. And as far as we can see, the people in the past truly believed that they did see a resurrected Jesus, that they know that that man died, but that man came back again for these reasons. Believe in Jesus, accept Jesus today. Love God with your whole heart. And if right now you wish to love God, but you're just not feeling it. One thing I would suggest is something I read and I don't quite remember where, a paraphrase. And it's whenever you're not feeling like you're loving God, do actions that commit to that love even more. Commit by reading his word. Commit by going to him in prayer. Commit by gathering with a body of believers. 
Commit to that love even more with your actions. Commit in your faith and the feelings may follow. But even if they don't follow the next day or the next week or the next month, keep committing. Keep committing. He will reach you in feeling, in faith, in mind, in spirit, and soul. Love God with your whole heart. Love your neighbor. That's all I got to tell you today. I'm George Bronner. <coughs> As you can see, I'm not necessarily clear from these COVID symptoms. <coughs> but praise God, I've only had mild symptoms. A lot of them were preventable. I write a health newsletter, so it's kind of beneficial that I get to go through this experience. It gives me something to write about. I can help people through my experience. There are various solvencies that I figured out and experienced firsthand. It's just I haven't quite implemented them this morning. And instead, my mucus is returning. So that falls upon me in regards to responsibility. But yes, all glorious to God. Look on the bright side. God loves in the little, in the big ways, in all ways. Y'all have a beautiful rest of your day. I actually spoke about loving thy neighbor as yourself fairly in-depthly in the last sermon. It's simply called Love Yourself. So feel free to look that up on brothersoftheword.com. You can listen free there if you missed that sermon. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled God Loves You by George Bronner. This message is number 4100, that's 4100. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 4100 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because, brother, you need the word. Oh,